On this episode, we talk about the latest named vulnerability, Options Bleed. Is it all that it is cracked up to be? And is the security news industry headed into chicken little territory with FUD like this? Next up, NIST has released new guidelines for authentication, which contain some changes to the way that we are doing passwords. We discuss what this means and how businesses and users can adapt. Lastly, a couple of articles regarding what incentives are needed for businesses to start taking security seriously raises a topic that we have discussed tangentially on the podcast before. Is government intervention necessary in some sectors that harbor personally identifiable information? All this and some goofy laughs ahead on the Two Drop Tables and a Microphone podcast. You are listening to Two Drop Tables and a Microphone, an information security podcast with a Canadian perspective and the only tech podcast with a three-drink minimum. We are the place for information security news and how it affects you as either a security professional or a general consumer. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and our guests are solely their own and do not reflect the views and opinions of their employers, past or present. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 9 of the Two Drop Tables podcast. I am Mark Speed, your host for this episode, and always I have with me John. I'm John Roberto. And Dom. Dom here, uh, here, uh, having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) We're rusty. We're rusty. It's been a couple weeks. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Had some issues Uh, with our provider and our hosting and stuff like that. So we're back together now. We're going to crank out an episode here. Uh, We got some good discussion planned for the show. So uh, it's been delayed a couple times, but let's get on with it. So first topic is uh, options bleed. Options bleed is the latest sort of named vulnerability to come out. Uh, There was initially a lot of reaction that I would describe anyway as overblown. I'm doing air quotes. I don't know why. No one can see me. (laughs) I saw it. Okay. And other such craziness related to that vulnerability. So I want to discuss, first of all, like what options bleed is, what the risk actually is, and then we can sort of go on from there. There's several different HTTP-based methods that web servers can use. We're used to having get and post and sometimes put. But there's another method called options. Inside there is a bunch of scary things that you usually want to limit completely and not have on or limit to different groups like server admins or whatever. So the way you do that is by um, putting in a limit in your config file. So if you had an option that you wanted to limit and you either typoed the name of that option or listed an option that doesn't even exist at all, then in certain configurations, when someone went to get that information, it would bleed a small portion of memory back in the message to the user. Yeah, so I thought it was overblown as well. And then they use the name like options bleed, which is like, ooh, is it like the... uh like heartbleed heartbleed or something right and it's like i don't know i mean the example they gave on that page where it was like limit abc xyz is a little weak it would be more like um limit whatever one of the options are like you said and just add a extra s at the end or something i think it's more it would be more of a disaster in a shared hosting environment where you could possibly leak bits of information from other other people in there that's where I think it would be the most dangerous. Yeah, it doesn't affect everyone. Um, like it does, like people were saying, patch Apache now. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't affect everybody. This is not heart bleed, like John said. 
Um, and I saw it reported that way in a lot of places. This is the new Heartbleed. I'm like, no, it's not. Like it only affects you if you're using limits and if you screw them up. And even at that point, there were some things that I was reading that say that it doesn't appear all the time. And it may only be on busy servers that it does it. So an investigator sort of took a look at the top 1 million Alexa ranked web pages. And it only affected something like 400, which is a very small percentage of the Internet. Yeah, and the other thing too is uh, I think it's uh, it is overblown. I mean, uh, if it only affects like so like four hundred servers out of a million, I mean it's uh, uh, it's it's this vulnerability is actually quite it's extremely rare. Um, but uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't check for it. But at the same time, it's nothing to be worried about. I think this it's this is nothing like Heartbleed, nothing at all. I mean, it's uh, it's it's just. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just a it's just a. I don't know why people get overblown about it because uh, they think, oh, it's a name vulnerability, but it doesn't mean that you know. And I mean, there's so many vulnerabilities out there that uh, you think are dangerous, but they're not. It turns out they're not because it's it's it's. Yeah, and they say this one doesn't appear all the time, right? Exactly. So it seems to have to be a busy server and it has to appear like multiple requests. So I don't know what the. And I think know, it needs, yeah, what it needs triggers to, it? Exactly. I think it just needs uh, it needs to be a very busy server. Uh, what was alluded to earlier, and uh, it just it needs a lot of data coming in and out uh, for this to actually be uh, be able to exploit this vulnerability. And the and the other thing too, at the end of the day, it's uh, what 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 you what do you get when you exploit it? Like, what kind of information do you really get from it? We'd have to get so lucky. I mean, Absolutely. it says it leaks small chunks of memory. And only affects a small number of hosts by default. So, I mean, if you were going to get something good, you would just be blind luck. I don't think this would be the one you're going for, but you might set it up on a on an AWS instance and just kind of churn away at all these websites automatically, script yeah, it, exactly. something I don't know, and maybe get something. But it seems like it's just very opportunistic. And there are, and the other thing too is that this this vulnerability, uh, I see that uh, you know there are other there are other more um, critical vulnerabilities out there. Like if you're a bad guy hacker, uh, this 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 vulnerability is not going to be something you're going to look at. You know, what I mean, because there's just so many others out there that uh, you'll try first. And even if you if you think about this, it's probably going to be in passing, and uh, it's it, it, essentially it's too much work for too too little data is what it comes down to. If you're a bad for sure. guy, for sure. Like I to echo what you guys are saying. Like I agree, and you know, raising the profile and of security concerns, and you know, raise the profile of the need to do proper patching and to keep up on things. But this is one situation that sort of jumped out at me as sort of being crying wolf, and you know, I think doing that is not going to help our cause. Some of the people that I saw reporting about this, some websites that I typically follow for news every morning, and, you know, were reporting this incorrectly, and I, they should probably know better. Save their ones and zeros for when there is a wolf at the door. Otherwise, what's going to happen is, you know, we're going to be chicken little here, and no one's going to believe us when something actually goes wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too is I just uh, I see this. It's it's you got to pick your battles. You know, you only have so many, so much, so many resources. Like uh, you, you talk to the police, like, uh, and they go, they 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 basically focus on the higher value crimes, on the more serious crimes. 
You know, they're gonna they're that because they only have so much so so many so much resources that they can uh, utilize to uh, for for in the course of their duties. And it's the same thing here. I mean, looking at this vulnerability and go and uh, wasting your time and energy to deal with this um, is uh, you know there's other bigger fish to fry. And uh, so this this should be on the radar, obviously. And then patching is important, but at the same time, it's uh, it's it's better to focus your energies, your limited energies, on something far uh, like far greater vulnerabilities or far greater threats. Now, the resourcing is a is a really good point, right? And I, none of us have the resources that we really need to properly secure our infrastructure. Um, I think sort of everyone's sort of in that boat. Um, and look at what executives do and see, right? Like how many of us have had someone come up and say, oh, are we vulnerable to the Equifax thing? It's like, well, <clears throat> that was in March. So if we are, it's too late now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like they just go by what they read in the paper or see in the news, right? Well, that's, that's what they understand, right? I mean, it's not, you know, executives, executives worry about uh, the overarching, the high-level operations of their business, and they uh, they skip the details because it's not something that they focus on. That's why there are people below, below that uh, handle the, the more detailed work. And um, But at the same time, it's uh, the executive, it is the responsibility of the executive to ensure that, uh, that the business itself is uh, properly secured that they grant uh, the necessary funding, that they listen to the people who are actually on the front lines of uh, keeping the system secure. Because in the end, it's gonna, the, the, the executive is the one who's gonna be held accountable for it. I thought it was, uh, it was funny in reading that article too. Someone was like, oh, I saw the word head come up three times. They're like, no, that's just another Apache bug. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's like, it's almost one. It's, you can't even reproduce. It's like, what am I actually seeing here? You probably wouldn't even know what you were looking at half the time if you did this. That's exactly. Funny. Oh, look, I see the three heads. So it must be a Hydra or something, right? <laughs> that's awesome. So now let's segue into something else that security people are doing wrong that they should know better. We've probably known better for quite a while. I've been mean, leading people astray, and that's uh, passwords. So the current conventional wisdom is that passwords need to be 8 to 10, sometimes 12 characters contain uppercase and lowercase and a special character in order to be secure. Uh, but we all know that people, A, don't follow those rules, B, can't remember those passwords, and C, skirt the rules and gain the system whatever they can by, for example, adding an incrementing number, think password mm. one, password two, etc. Or they use really shitty passwords that do meet the requirements, but are easily guessable, like, you know, summer 2018 exclamation oh, mark. Oh, God. Right? Which is a legit <laughs> password. If, if you're using Active Directory and you say eight characters, special character, uppercase, lowercase, and numbers, you know... Fall hey, Mark, 2018 that's not your works. No, it's not. <laughs> Hunter 2 is my password. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the big, yeah, one of the big things here is um, stop giving people so many chances at guessing your password. Right? I mean, we're, you know, they say favor the user, let them come up with something, and stop putting all these restraints and boundaries around it to, to limit it as effectiveness, really. I don't yeah, know the big things I, I'm getting out of it. 
we've had this sort of drunken rambling discussion at lots of events and stuff or you know we're doing passwords wrong we all know we're doing password wrong you know ever since that you know xkcd cartoon with the you know correct horse battery staple and all that stuff you know it's like or we're, the quick we're doing it fox wrong. or whatever right? yeah. yeah yeah like we haven't had the ability till now to sort of point at something scholarly and be like see do it a different mm-hmm. way. And now with NIST coming up with this, I, I think we have something. Um, you know, like I'm doing a password review thing with everyone who has advanced, you know, higher level privileges at work. But I doubt I'm going to be able to push this. Um, we'll see. The next couple of years, I think things will change a bit. But what we, what I heard, or what I read, sorry, in this article um, and reading the new NIST guidelines makes a lot of sense to me. It does yeah. because it's it's uh, one of those things that, uh, I mean, people people in general, the reason they do this, they make the passwords easy guessable because it's easy to remember. And if they're talking, you know, people in general, they're saying that people on average cannot remember any in more than ten characters uh, for yeah, anything. Yeah, you can't if because it's complicated. But if you're doing a passphrase, like this is what I generally do, right? Like we all live in a yellow submarine, like spaces and everything. That has a huge amount of entropy. It's probably bad because it's like a line of a song, and like someone might have it in a dictionary somewhere, but not today. Well, who knows? Get, uh, there's, I can see that uh, people are going to start putting f- uh, common passphrases in, and then they're going to mangle it. And uh, okay, let's see if this works. That's why I think the best thing that more people need to get on board with is a password manager. For sure. Absolutely. Like, oh, I don't know any password to any of my banking or any of those sites. I don't. They're all randomly generated as many characters as I can possibly fit in there. And that's the end of it. Um, and I make sure I don't, like, autofill and defeat the whole purpose of, of having those passwords. <laughs> if someone were to go to my the web banking website, just autofills and auto log in. But, um, you know, use one of those. Remember one strong one and just be done with it. But the only way, if when something short of that is if you go to a page and you're asking for a password, you got to take away all these silly things and just get people to funnel them down what you want. Like take out the password hints, take out those stupid, what street did you live on when you grew up things? Oh, yeah. Like, nowadays those are, the worst. those are all found on LinkedIn, Facebook, Wikipedia. If you're famous, like just yeah. ask Paris Hilton how that worked for her. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You know, and, and things like, it has to have one uppercase character and a number and stuff. And it's like, you're giving someone your composition of your password. And so you can, you know, plug that in and just limit your brute force attacks or whatever to just like something like that. Well, just exactly. take it all away. Just make it One random. of the things that they recommend people stop doing, which I'm totally on board with and it pisses me off whenever I see it, is limiting the length of passwords. Oh. Go to put something like 12, 14 characters in and like, oh, it can't be bigger than 10. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I've actually, I've actually had uh, cases where, uh, yeah, there was, you can't only put up to six, six characters. And I'm going, are you kidding me? Must Man, start you, with a number. What, yeah. what are you doing? Banking sites are the worst. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Like I look They've at um, numbers, my name, man. like Coast Capital. It's like, it's just numbers. And it's only seven. It's stupid. And I know like you can't, you can only hit it a couple times before it says no, but still seven numbers. Do you know what you could do, though, is I don't know if they're filtering by IP, and they might be. They should be if they're doing this. But you don't need to brute force one account unlock it. You take Mm -hmm. one seven. If you get a big enough number, like maybe you're logging in with your card number. If you get a big enough stock of those card numbers that you think are legitimate, you take one seven-digit number, 
and you run it through all of them, mm. all the usernames, one after the other, and eventually you'll get one. I mean, that's not hard, right? I mean, it's especially if the passwords, you know, it can only have a seven-digit number. You know, a smart hacker would just uh, do, you know, after doing his or her research, they go out like, okay, they, this is how the password uh, composition has to be. And so I'm just going to focus on that instead of having huge, running huge dictionary files. Yeah, but think about all the compensating controls that they need to put in place. Oh, exactly. Just, just stop being stupid and allow people to put in you know, 64 characters, whatever they they want. Choose, yeah, exactly. And I think the biggest one on that list, actually reading through these NIST ones, that kind of is, I think, hard for anyone, especially probably systems, to wrap their head around, because I know we do it at work, and it drives me insane. Oh, I know, and change your password every three months? Yeah, no no more expiration without reason. Like, if it's not compromised, why are you changing it? You know? Exactly. Yeah, try to run that by executive and get them to sign off on that. Mm-hmm. No, but that's going to take right? a long time. People just make crappier and crappier passwords, or that's they right, increment it by a number or something. Because I mean, I hate to say it, but that's what I do. And I mean, it's a decently strong password, but it's I change one character um, <laughs> because it's just it's too much. It's like, well, why even bother? Because if it's not compromised, if it's not forgotten, and it's not fished. What does it yeah. matter? Well, like if someone gets your password, they have only maximum 90 days to use it. It's like, what? They only need one. That's right. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, need exactly. Like, like, <laughs> a good point, right? Like, that. that's it. Once they got it, one day, it doesn't matter if it expired tomorrow, they'll get something. Yeah. And, you know, so it's... And all they need is that one thing, right? Like, they go, oh, somehow they got John's password, right? Who's probably... It's probably, like, Hunter 2-4 or something. And... Uh, 2-3. They, or... <laughs> It'll be two four in ninety days. Yeah, two four in ninety days. So they go, okay, uh, let's try. Let's see, Hunter two four. Uh, maybe it's gonna be Hunter two five. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm in but again. <laughs> it's almost like you think passwords are getting weaker over time or something. Oh, yeah, uh, I know. Right? Like it's the only thing, reason I can think of you'd work it that way. <laughs> but that's yeah. but the, but the same time is that they need that one. They need you actually your password, right? But if they go, oh. Um, Oh, you, this your password's been compromised. Please change it, and then you you basically do an incremental change, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're back in again. You're going, but I just changed my password. What's going on? Well, <laughs> they just figured they just changed the you know two four to two five, and then they're they're back in your system again. One thing that I liked looking at this list, which I thought was interesting, and I've been doing some investigation myself, is the band lists. Um, so when people change their password run it by a list of bad passwords, like a blacklist, and say, no, that's not a good password. I've seen this happen. I forget which website it was I was signing up for, but it was a security-related thing. And it said, no, this is a bad password. Sure enough, it was my junk password that I use just for stuff I don't care about that I'm signing up for. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I looked into it. Um, For Active Directory, it doesn't work out of the box. You have to use plugins or a bastardize some DLLs, which kind of sucks. I hope they make it easier in the future. But there is a website called Password Ping. And what it does is they have an Active Directory plugin, and then they have some APIs. So with your web application, you could run uh, the password that the person puts in. You hash it, you send it to them, and then if the hash matches anything they have, they just send you a message back saying no. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm. And they update their list with passwords from breaches. That's a good idea, actually. Good one. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Because I guarantee you they have, you know, fall 2018 question mark on their list. 
Oh, absolutely. They got. Right. I'd, like I'd like to check at least privileged accounts with stuff like that. Right, it conforms to the current standards, and it's absolute garbage. Like it's one of the first ones on the list. But you could actually people you could try. Poten- you could potentially take that list and then brute force whatever admin account that you find. If you manage to get the hashes of uh, some privileged accounts, oh, well, I'm going to try that list out. See what uh, what comes up. Yeah, check that out. Password ping. It's pretty pretty neat. I'm sure there's other people that do it too. That's just one that jumped out at me. Yeah. There's other plugins. I know. I just see Drupal has one too for them. Plugin <clears throat> to check. That's a good idea. That's actually a really good idea. I'm sure. And if you think your password is bad or was stolen, and likely if you're using the same email address and signing up for anything for longer than two three years, I guarantee you've been in one of the breaches that's happened. <gasps> If you go yeah, to uh, what website I'm, have I been pwned? I just got one for Kickstarter. The breach was like years ago. <laughs> oh, I know. I saw that too. I like just got notified. Yeah. Now. And I, there was another one. I cannot remember what it is, but it was from 2012. Oh, Yahoo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yahoo's was all 3 billion accounts. Sorry, our bad. <laughs> our bad. Not 300 million, 3 billion. 3 billion accounts. <laughs> Not surprised. Oh, wow. I mean, they're already saying, oh, the, you know, it, it seems to be an incremental thing. I think that they said about 500 million accounts a few years ago. Now they're saying like 1.2 billion. Now they're now just like, like no, we don't know. Because their security is like, we don't know. Just say all of them. It's, yeah, it's exactly. all of them. <laughs> it's all of them, okay? Just just forget it. It's just all of them. I don't want to work on this anymore. It's just all of them. <laughs> Oh man, I think that probably the whole Yahoo network has been compromised. If that's the case, oh my god! We're yeah, like, they should be just nuking and paving the whole thing and starting <laughs> exactly. Or just shut again. it down. <laughs> yeah, start again, but start as like a web a web indexing web search, and then build email and stuff ten years after that. Oh yeah, start start from scratch yeah. all over again. <laughs> Well, I guess Yahoo's going to be a company that's going to be, uh, you know, in the books of history books. <laughs> so, getting back to the password thing, um, I really go back and forth on passwords between, you know, it being a user education problem and not a technical problem. And then all of a sudden, I think, ah, oh, you know what? Users are going to get fished anyway. Their passwords are always going to be garbage anyway. So let's get better technical solutions. And I sort of flip back and forth between those. I think we differently both. I mean, like that password ping one is a good idea. That should probably be in place because, I mean, you could eliminate, you know, who knows what percent, 20, 30% of your users' bad passwords. At least that, get that out of there. And then you could say, you know, we did everything we could. Mitigate the risk as much as possible. Yeah, so it's probably a meeting of all these aspects, right? Let's do password standards better because what we have now isn't actually working. And let's educate our users better, hit them with all that awareness stuff more frequently, mm. and let's get some better technical controls and yeah, like things like password ping and blacklisting, and let's put our like the fact that that's not built into Active Directory, it probably should be. Mm. Well, and then the other thing too is uh, users, even though they go through their security awareness training, like the. They go through. Still, they're probably going to go. Okay, well, I'm going to worry about this later on. I'm not going to change my password right away, you know, because I just changed it a few days ago, and then you know, I just have to wait another two, two point eight months to to change it. So I'm just going to leave it and maybe, and then have a uh, more complex password, and then you know, two uh, three months goes by, and they they've just completely forgot, and then just continue doing what they've always been doing. I and, saw an article. It was about phishing. Uh, training for security awareness, but it probably holds true for just about everything, even 
outside of the security realm. And there was a graph where they showed how soon after awareness training, the user will basically do the dumb thing again. And it's sort of, they're good for a little bit, and then it just sort of tails off. And it's basically six months later, they'll screw up again. They screwed up the first time. So you need to keep hitting them with like constant gamified short bursts of training to keep it in their head constantly. Yeah, it's like having like uh, you know little little blurbs uh, on the on the front page of the website, the company, the internet website, or um, and all yeah, those just, posters we make fun of, thinking people aren't going to do better passwords just because they change the poster, saying that with a silly meme on it every yeah. day or every month. And I guess it's just all part of that repetition, right? Like no, no one. We always say who's going to eat a McDonald's just because of that commercial, but we all do it. Yeah. So maybe there's maybe there's something to that, just sort of like re-education constant it's called like advertising right like um yeah. you know you repeated advertising over and over again you know i think it'll just maybe maybe people will finally make a password that's not terrible oh i know exactly mm. but that might take just a while tell them enough <laughs> or just stop all the dumb people from using a computer <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wish <laughs> no, no one's gonna really be using one anymore but, yeah, uh, get rid of, yeah. get, basically clear up all those ID10T errors, right? <laughs> I mean, they said I was reading LastPass did a study, and they were saying that like 60% of organizations have implemented SSO. Um, four in ten companies manage passwords manually, so there's like a lot of things companies can do to tighten up their password, you know, issues. And then you know, because the the user education is useless if you don't have something, you know. You you need ten passwords. It's like let's get SSO, use a password manager, like start knocking off the low hanging fruit, and then you can start educating people. Once you've got them, you know, within kind of some sort of confines and boundaries for passwords. Yeah, who knows, man? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. We answered another question. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't. Well, at the we same time, know. you know, I mean, what what about uh, other security methods? You know, I mean, we're just talking passwords here. Password, uh, the password uh, as a security control is not going to go away. But uh, you know, there has, there's definitely a two-factor authentication thing in that NIST guidelines. So exactly. NIST guidelines aren't just about passwords; it's about all digital identity. And basically, they're saying to use two-factor, right? Which is something that I'm looking at implementing very soon because, yeah, like especially for privileged account or any remote access. Just you know, I had an RSA token for VPN 20 years ago. Um, I don't know why people aren't doing it more often now for more stuff. Well, they can, they can, you know, there's probably software out there that's, uh, that they could use like on oh, your phone. You don't phone, need the right? tokens. Yeah. I yeah. use for LastPass. I use duo. Um, so it pushes a note, a notice to my device, but it'll do SMS. It'll do a phone call and read you the code. Like it's, you can use these things. They're pretty easy. They're cheap. Sometimes free SMSpassword.com, A couple things like that. They're free. Yeah, if you're using enterprise, though, uh, it probably will cost you because uh, they're like free for non-commercial use, and so. But uh, there's also things like um, uh, you've probably heard of Ubico or the YubiKey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of yeah. Those. So like they have a dongle. You put the dongle in uh, your computer uh, if you want to access a privilege or let's say your admin account. And um, yeah, you need a, like a two F. You need like a. a like or the Entrust, there's the, the the dongle for that. There's the Ubico, the YubiKey, or or whatever. Though you could have that on your keychain, and plug that into your laptop when, or your computer workstation when you need to uh, access your admin account, and away you go. Yeah, definitely. For a privileged account, if you're really worried about them, don't 
let them just have a password. Yeah, exactly. Make them have some sort of two-factor. So a lot's happened in the security news landscape the past few weeks, um, including the week uh, hiatus we had waiting for our, our podcasting host to come back. But uh, more information has surfaced regarding the Equifax breach. Uh, as suspected by us last episode, the vulnerability was in fact the old Struts 2 vulnerability from March that was leveraged. Uh, we knew that, of course. It wouldn't have been the new one. It would have been a zero day at that point, and there's no way that that was happening. Uh, Deloitte's been added to the list of <laughs> really should have known better, as they mm-hmm. also experienced a breach and very, very brutal with stuff all over the internet, clear text and their GitHub and all sorts of crap like that, passwords to databases and on and on and on. It was bad. Oh, wow. Um, Adobe put their PGP private key, yes, the private part that you're not supposed to share on the internet, (laughs) uh, along with their public key by mistake. Yeah, got some real winners working there, eh? So that key's now useless. Uh, Sonic Drive-In had a point-of-sale breach. Uh, Whole Foods had a credit card breach. Forrester did as well. So instead of, yeah, don't forget Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, and Yahoo went up to three billion. Yeah. Uh, so I decided for this episode, rather than go into more guess who got hacked this week, um, which I think is important, we'll continue to do stories like that. But since there was so much, uh, I wanted to focus on an article which sort of again aligns with something that we've discussed back before on the show. I think Dom brought it up a couple times that security's number one problem is the lack of economic incentives mm-hmm. for business. So there was an article on dark reading, and it referenced an article on Bruce. Not gonna butcher his last name. Is it Schneer? Schneier. Schneier. Yeah, Schneier. Bruce Schneier. Bruce Schneier's blog. Um, I like him. Everyone should follow him and <laughs> learn how to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> well, you we should also do. Uh, do you subscribe to his uh, Cryptogram newsletter? No, I do not. Oh, I have. Uh, I am on his uh, mailing list. Uh, it's, it's called Cryptogram. And uh, for all of you security-minded folks out there, you should uh, subscribe to that list. Like he has a, a lot of stories and essays uh, that uh, he posts on that, uh, that uh, newsletter that he puts out. I think it's on a monthly basis. Sweet. I'll definitely check that out. So companies that produce software or hardware or services, they're not incentivized to do security even remotely reasonably well. Um, a recent article, Dark Reading, that we'll link to um, explore this issue a bit further under the guise of how can we prevent another Equifax by getting industries to stop cutting corners and invest properly. Well, I think that's they're going to be focusing more on that because uh, uh, they're at the end of the day, they're, there's these breaches are going to are, are uh, the cost of these breaches. Not, not only in terms of monetary costs, but there's reputational costs uh, and uh, anticipated losses in the future as well uh, that, uh, that they're going to have to focus more on this because you look at from the insurance perspective, there's also something called cyber insurance. And uh, clients of these organizations, especially after Equifax, are going to say, "We do you have insurance? I hope you have uh, cyber, cyber insurance. And they're going to have to... Uh, get insurance, and then these insurance companies are going to be demanding stricter and stricter uh, cybersecurity controls. So this is going to be uh, this is going to be something that they're going to have to uh, really, really uh, think about. I mean, <clears throat> you just got to start making things mandatory uh, and regulated. It's simple. Now it's like basically everyone just polices themselves. If it's something really bad, they might oh no no don't do that. 
but it, there needs to be a recommended, you know, bunch of guidelines and recommendations and things need to be followed through. And it just needs to be like a regulatory framework. The companies need to start doing it. And it's like, you know, there needs to be penalties and serious economic penalties, not just like, you know, a hundred grand for a four billion a quarter revenue company. Of course, they don't care. What does it matter? Well, they're smart. They've done the plus, the pros and cons, the plus minus and figured, yeah, we won't do any of this stuff because it's not going to hurt us that much. Well, yeah. then it's just the government the or someone's going to have to step in and, you know, make sure it hurts when they do stuff like this, particularly someone like Equifax. Like we're not yeah. giving them anything. We're not their customer, right? They're getting data from someone else through agreements that we've sort of agreed to when we get a credit card. And, you know, it's not like we can boycott them or not use them. Like, so someone's got to get in there, you know, and, and poke at them a bit and make some of these things that they're doing or not doing hurt a bit more. And you know, Bruce Schneier, I remember um, watching, uh, he was uh, uh, in front of Congress, um, in front of the Senate at one point, and he was saying that uh, he was arguing for an agency to be created to regulate um the uh, companies within the cybersecurity realm. It was, it was more effect, more um, focused on the IoT space, but still, it's uh, it's it's uh, really no different at the end of the day. And uh, he was saying that, uh, yeah, we need an agency to govern this, to regulate, um, uh, to ensure that the uh, that uh, companies are are properly securing. Uh, their customers' data and properly securing their systems, because at, uh, at the end of the day, you know they're going to be the ones that are seriously affected. And not only they, um, but uh, the people, their customers will be affected. Government agencies, other businesses will be affected. And you know, I mean, this can get really serious. So uh, he was, he, uh, he's saying that. But the thing is, he knew that the companies. You know they're not going to police. They're going to not going to police themselves. Like they, they're just seeing this as a cost, as a cost center. And there's like, no, we got to maximize our profits here. So we're not going to worry about this because we don't really suffer that many breaches. Or if we do, we're just going to, you know, sweep it under the rug. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it, that it, that that gets out. So. So it's like, you know, we already have uh, org- agencies like the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission for financial sector. There's also the uh, future, what was it, uh, the Commodity Futures Trading uh, Commission, you know, for, I guess, for commodities trading. Um, so why don't we have an agency that governs uh, companies' uh, cybersecurity? Yeah, things are pretty bad right now. Like government intervention should be requiring a standard, sorry, a standards-based IT security program for at least some of these industries. You know, look at airline travel. It wouldn't be so secure and safe to fly if it was just left up to market forces. Like it took government intervention to do that. One of the good quotes in the piece by Bruce Schneier is, uh, "The market can't fix this. Markets work because buyers choose between sellers, and sellers compete for buyers." In case you didn't notice, you're not Equifax's customer. Yeah, and but they still have your data. Yeah, exactly. And then, and it's, it's PI. It's not money. Like you know, your bank, your bank does a you know risk analysis. You know, cost benefit analysis. No big deal. If someone you know had your card and, and takes a bunch of money out, we can replace that. It's cost of doing business, but it's money. It can be replaced. Um, your personal information once it's out, that's it. Like there's nothing to replace. You're not changing your name and changing all your personal data every time you do it. Um, so it's a big one. Yeah. 
and it could take years to fix fix any issues that come up uh, that are raised, like somebody commits identity theft using that information. You know, it'll take years just to uh, fix it. Some higher standards for those types of companies as well within a framework. Like, you know, you hold people's personal information, especially if they're not a customer of yours. That's like tier one, like top of the pile. You suffer a breach, it's going to cost you like, a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost you big. Yeah. It's going to hurt you. Oh, well, maybe you lose a license. Like, there has to be just something. Like, the SEC, the SEC has a lot of power. Uh, in terms of regulating all the securities and stuff. And, it's, you know, you break the rules, you get delisted and all sorts of, you know, um, punishments, right? And jail time and stuff too. This needs similar types of framework. And I mean, you know, I don't know if it's just because, you know, more attention's being paid to it now, but every day there's a breach of something. It's not even a surprise anymore. You look and it's like yesterday I saw it was Forrester or whatever. And you're just like, oh, what a surprise. You know, I don't even need to read the article, but I will. And, oh, look, it's, they did something stupid or whatever it was. Didn't patch this, password this, fish that. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's always... It's always the same thing. It always comes down to the same thing, you know. It's yeah. poor it's security fishing. hygiene. Yeah, usually phishing or uh, web-based attacks like uh, SQL injection or uh, cross-site scripting attacks. And, uh, I mean... Isn't that what you're supposed to uh, fix first? Like you, to make sure that uh, people can't remotely access your data, or uh, uh, ensure that uh, you know your uh, your staff is uh, aware of uh, phishing attacks and uh, uh, phishing emails. Don't answer every email that you see. Like um, should be a little more uh, critical of uh, what they receive. But apparently, still, it's uh, people aren't aren't. Uh, I think that's going to be a tough habit to it's break. A it's, it's a lot tougher than, you know, people are, it is a very tough one. Like it's, people are, people are, you know, they have their routines, they have their habits and uh, they generally, people want to be helpful. Yeah. I mean, the stuff you want to see go away are like, you know, vulnerability and Apache strut. It's like, you need to be patching that stuff. You know, like those kind of things that you can actually take in under, under control, like properly configured web servers, you know, all that kind of stuff uh, that, shouldn't even be it shouldn't even be a, a, a problem anymore you know the social engineering like you said it's that's always the toughest one but i mean at least if you can if you've taken care of everything else at least you can focus on that one area now it's just there's too many attack surfaces constantly and they don't think about that they're like they uh it's it's like they sacrifice security for convenience and there's this like and i i see this like all the time when i was, when I was working in in, in the course of my career, it's, uh, you know, we need, uh, I, I would say over and over, you know, you need to secure this or you need to uh, patch that. And they go, well, um, that's going to make it harder for our customers or or uh, we don't really have time for that. Like what's, you know, like what's the immediate issue? And they're just, you know, they're going to just, um, they just don't see it as a high priority. And that, that, that at the end of the day, can be, uh, it's going to bite you. I don't want to name names, so I won't. But you can simple as simple as, you know, it's time to decommission SSL v3. Oh, but our clients. Okay. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or it's, yeah. it's taking forever to change, you know. I think it's going to take, you know, some hefty financial penalties for these people to care. You look at the Equifax CEO was in front of Congress. And he noted that only some of the data they hold is encrypted. Whatever the hell that means. Yeah, exactly. Like, and shouldn't the it data, be all encrypted? Like, <laughs> no, the data so. that was stolen was in plain text. And in his words, yeah. it didn't cross his mind to ask if personally identifiable information was affected. 
That is on top of him sitting on the news. It was hacked for almost a week, then hiring a cybersecurity firm to investigate. I guess that was Mandiant. And not he didn't even check in on that investigation for two weeks. It's like he didn't really care. It's like uh, no. this is this is not a high priority for me, but you know, and next thing you He's know, busy trying he, to sell his stock. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, too busy trying to make money. And next thing you know, he's out of a job. But it's like he cares. I mean, he's probably worth like hundreds of millions of dollars anyway. Yeah, you look at banking, governments at all levels, healthcare. You know, all these industries that have a huge amount of personally identifiable information, like credit reporting agencies, mortgage houses, hospitals, they all should be forced to adopt a standards compliant security framework and they should all be audited. Like, I really don't see any other way to get the ball rolling and trying to get people to do things that. Yep. But instead of doing that, the government just offered, um, the IRS in the US has offered Equifax a $7.25 million deal, a no bid contract awarded September 30th after the hack was disclosed to do some identity verification and fraud prevention services. Yeah. Obviously that's not going to look at where that's, I guess that would work out so well. So more economics. So it's almost economically more gives them more incentive to have a breach because now they're doing, doing the actual work (laughs) to actually clean it up. Exactly. I I don't understand that to be honest. But that's the thing. I mean, uh, it's kind of like that. Uh, what was it? Uh, you'd heard of the Pinto, uh, the Ford Pinto. They uh, they figured, oh, you know, they they knew about a problem where if you rear-ended a Pinto, it'll explode, the gas tank or something. And then they said, okay, um, they 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 went through two options. Either one, we recall all the Pintos and fix it, or we just uh, you know uh, settle all the lawsuits that come from that from any issues. Oh, oh yeah. and they, they chose number two. It's cheaper to deal with the lawsuits than it is to actually recall and fix the cars. So basically, you're 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 on board with possibly killing people. That's right. Basically, is what you're saying. And that that's uh, yeah, that's that's, that's what it was. And uh, you know, they're probably thinking the same thing here. Well, we could probably deal with the. It's cheaper to deal with the lawsuits than to actually fix the problem. And I think that's what a lot of companies do when the, when it comes to cybersecurity. Well, it's probably even more so than things like the Pinto because they, uh, you know, nobody's getting actually getting killed and nobody's physically being harmed. It's just that they're going to be psychologically harmed or financially harmed or whatever. But physically, oh yeah, they're no, they're going to live. And, and they said, you know, that's not, you know, it's we'll, we'll just uh, pay out the lawsuits rather than actually fix the fix the problem. So, I mean, it's. Uh, it's a shocking thing, and and that's probably you know that's why I think that they uh, they they don't see it as a big of an issue as as it, they should see it as, but eventually, like I said, it's going to bite them. One of the quotes from the dark reading article, uh, which isn't unique, I'm sure I've heard something similar to it before, is you know if software were a car, we would be knowingly shipping it with faulty seatbelts or airbags with the hope that there wouldn't be an accident and making the driver sign an end user agreement that releases all of our liability. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. But, oh, you know, if, if my router is a piece of shit D-Link and is vulnerable, uh, you know, yeah, it's a problem. We've talked about that before. And they need some financial incentives to do things properly, too. But let's start with the things that really matter, right? You know, governments can start doing this themselves and sort of set a good example. And do some dog fooding and find out which standards work and don't, and and then enforce and recommend, you know, based on you know, the industries that can do the most harm, and something like credit reporting and banking and healthcare. I think they're way up on that list. 
Absolutely. And that's that's where they focus on too, like the financial and healthcare sectors. Right. But then there's also the IoT space as well. That, if you mess around like the certain IoT devices, people can get killed. And um, I mean, uh, for example, uh, uh, road signs, road signs or, uh, or uh, sewage treatment plants or water filtration uh, systems. You know, I mean, uh, for, let's say take a water, water filtration system uh, or water purification system. And you just leave it wide open to the internet. I think I heard a case about that actually. And uh, they, you know, you mess, you, you, you mess with that. Some hacker goes in and messes with that. All of a sudden, you know, you're, you, you know, people can get sick, like physically, from uh, from you know, waterborne illnesses or there's too much chlorine in the water or what have you, right? Like uh, it's uh, that's also something that needs to be looked at. I think one thing that businesses can can do from what I've seen um, is to just start get an IT security budget and invest in some staff. You know, it's crazy. If you look at your org chart, you're going to see several people in charge of HR or communications or something, you know, that they report to a manager and then a director holding in charge of, say, communications for that organization. And all of them are the same level or higher than the one or perhaps two, if you're lucky, IT security staff you have. You know, so all these businesses has decided that, you know, communication is important that we need six people in a huge, you know, all these people working on it, whereas they have one security person. You know, so businesses have decided that security is not worth investing in. And I think they just need to poke. You know, no, you need to do this more because everyone's doing it so poorly. Everywhere I go, it's just like, wow. Like, you know, people look at you like so and you're like, well, you're just as good as everyone else in your sector. <laughs> but they all suck. Like they're all terrible. Yeah. And one thing just to point out here is that the number of staff uh, is not a good measure. Uh, if no one has the authority and capability to enforce change, then it doesn't matter how many people you have. Or Equifax, if they're well qualified, right? Exactly. Equifax has 225 people in its security department. So just because their CIO was a um, music major, you know, someone in that place knew this, you know, that it was a shit show. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, this is a this is a juicy target right here. And it'd be interesting to talk to all those employees. Like, you know, there's got to be some smart people there. There's got to be some smart people there. So you know, there's probably people going like, "Listen, this is a vulnerability. We need to patch it. Come on, like, what's going on?" And eventually, they're like, "Ah, oh, you know what? Fuck it." Yeah, because they're sick and tired of give up. repeating it yeah. over and over again. And you know, they're basically talking to deaf. You know, there's deaf ears. Yeah, you know, just it's just like, okay, fuck it. I'm not going to bother, right? And it's probably it's happened. I w- I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's probably about it for tonight, if, unless anyone has anything to add on that topic. Well, that's an angry topic. Yeah, it that is, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's frustrating. That one's a frustrating one. This really drives me nuts. I was just glad to see the articles. I was glad to see the articles because you've talked about it and we deal with it all the time. So I'm, I was just glad to see other people starting to say, hey, you know what? This is never going to work until people you know, start having to pay attention. And the thing is, it's it's starting to it's really starting to hit their pocketbooks, their bottom lines. That's when they start paying attention, especially like businesses, like private companies. They um, if their bottom lines get hit, and this is starting to do that. Like look at Yahoo. Like Yahoo's probably not going to exist probably in the next ten years. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe not even the next two. Who knows? But you know they're going to look at that going, oh, could we be next? Or what about Equifax? You know that that's I think that's going to. 
that's going to incentivize them to invest more into security. And not just more into security, into better security, uh, like better qualified staff and better systems, better controls. Okay. Well, that's all for this evening. I am out. Have a good night. Yeah, have a good night, everyone. That was the Two Drop Tables podcast for this week. If you've got comments or feedback, you can visit our website at twodroptables.ca. That's the number two, droptables.ca. There you can read the show notes and leave a comment on this episode. Or you can email feedback at twodroptables.ca. You can subscribe to us via iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find fine podcasts. Just go to our website for convenient links or search your podcasting app for Two Drop Tables. Well, they have to be because there's no way that um, S3 was down for a week. Yeah, exactly. That that would not make any sense at all. <laughs> no, like, even after I would a notice few if, Reddit, hours, if Reddit went away for a week, I'd notice. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You and everyone else. Yeah. You'd be hearing like, it on oh, the news. I have to fucking do work today. <laughs> Reddit's broken. <laughs> <laughs>